Wait, are you gaming on a Chromebook? Yeah, it's got a high-res 120 hertz display, plus this killer RGB keyboard. And I can access thousands of games anytime, anywhere. Stop playing. What? Get out of here. Huh? Yeah, I want you to stop playing and get out of here so I can game on that Chromebook. Got it. Discover the ultimate cloud gaming machine, a new kind of Chromebook. NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that you can stay close to your team even if you don't live in their town. Like, maybe you're a Raven who married a Seahawk who got a job in the land of the Falcons. With NFL Sunday Ticket, you can watch your team's out-of-market Sunday afternoon games no matter where you live because you shouldn't have to change teams even if you change towns. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. The grade cricketer is a Twitter stream. It's about playing crickets at the grade level. Boys! Get a few today, did you? To be honest with you, I um, hate grade cricket. <laughs> uh, I went into the play for a team call. Um, the menace kid. Obviously, sharing is always a big issue, a big issue for, for young kids coming into a senior cricket team. I was like a wit league. Um, a bit of advice yeah. I refer to the great cricketer here and I'll say this will do a little bit early <laughs> don't you just feel so safe seeing Australians in one day international clothing holding trophies wearing ski goggles wearing ski masks I mean we're all wearing some masks in some capacity but Australia have only gone and done it safety silverware trophy cabinets all that kind of gear the men tried their best in Pakistan but the other team won Western Australia are winning shields again again have they ever won one yeah it's been a minute though a bit of Gina Reinhardt gear in between Barney Rone is on the show to tell us about England cricket the IPL is also happening Dan Christian is on the show hashtag AskTJC it's all to come this episode Episode 193 of the Great Cricketer Podcast is presented by Custom Swimwear by Budgie Smuggler, all made in Australia, and Pez, they've got an event coming up, and we're going to sell some tickets. We're going to sell some tickets for this event. Mate, not only a big event, but big discounts for TGC listeners. If you're in Sydney or you want to travel to Sydney on April 21st, the Budgie people, uh, to celebrate the release of their Western-themed range, they're getting ranchy. That's what they're calling it, at Luna Park uh, on April 21st at 6 p.m. So cop this. Don't just take this. Cop this because everything has to be aggressively said. All drinks, food, and ride included. So all rides, drinks, and food included. Uh, It says repeated all drinks included. Uh, (laughs) Sons of the the East are playing at this event. Not bad. Sons of the East. and And there's also a bucking bull. Uh, I know a lot of a lot of cricket a lot of cricket teams are using this event as their end of season event as well. So tickets are ordinarily 120 bucks for this event, but for TGC listeners, there's a code, and that code is Alpha. If you go to budgiesmuggler.com.au, you're going to get 30 percent off those tickets. Now, Sons of the East, one of the great Australian bands at the moment, they got a they got a song he goes called um, Into the Sun, which I can only yeah. guess is actually a piece the lead singer put together after he dropped one in round 12. <laughs> uh, anyway. Just on this event, which would be great fun, uh, there's less than 150 yeah. tickets left. Okay, so get moving. Uh, yeah, and like I said, great way to end the season. If that's how you want to play it, that's at Luna yeah. Park, uh, yeah. Western Theme Range, getting ranchy, April 21st, 6 p.m. You're going to get 30% off. Go to budgetsmonger.com. Yeah. Looks like a good circuit. 
Um, I think I'm going to go that as well. Um, I'm gonna. I'm just going to head up. Um, just because um, you're. Well, fucking hell! Um, now Higgins is there. Higgins. <laughs> We're back at private school in year 11 together. Fucking hey, hell. Higgins. Fucking hell. I know. I'm fucking yeah, shocked myself there. I think, yeah, I think you're still in the lexicon. Yeah, cop that. Um, yeah. Anyway. Uh, aggressive. Uh, anyway, budgetsmugger.com, code alpha. 30% off a ticket, all drinks included. Okay. All drinks, all, all rides and a bucking bull. All rides and a bucking bull, Sons of the East. Not bad. All right. Um, Pez, uh, well, it's that time of year. Now, uh, I'll say just at the top here that... Um, uh, the, obviously, the Australian summer is finishing as we speak. The Grey Cricket Finals, which is obviously the the, the main signifier of the season's changing. Um, some like some people like in, in New York, for instance, when the, in, it's when the leaves change. No, no, not for us. It's when the footy posts go up. It's when yep. Grey Cricket Finals are celebrated. It's Mad Mondays. It's uh, it's blokes uh, wearing whites to the pub with a medal around their neck. Um, it's blokes calling in on Monday and a Tuesday and even a Wednesday saying, you know what, um, it's a bit of a scratchy throat. No good for me. It took a rat. Yeah, I'm no good. Uh, also, we want a flag on the weekend. Um, I actually never said flag ever when I was playing, but you know, I've yeah. been here for two years now, and they'll call them flags. Um, uh, uh, so, yeah, I mean, yeah, but what, what I'm saying is that the seasons are changing. Um, this will be our last episode for the main podcast for a minute, uh, and then we'll come back, obviously, for the the UK summer. The the IPL is basically the only cricket that is going to be played um, as for the next sort of month and a bit, uh, as that's already commenced. I know there's Bangladesh and um, South Africa, the big series that everyone wants us to cover. And there's one game of international T20I cricket between Australia and Pakistan on Wednesday, which everyone is hanging out for, of course. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so we'll just take a main break from the, from, we'll take a break from the main podcast over the next few weeks. Um, and then we'll be back in about like a month or six weeks or something. Whenever I think the first test match of New Zealand, England, England, New Zealand, I think is June one from the top of my head. But um, anyway, we'll be back before then. Um, but yeah, you can, you can of course catch us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash great cricketer for every, uh, every few days. In fact, almost every day we're, we're still doing stuff every day on YouTube. And then all the audio exists on patreon.com uh, forward slash great cricketer and all 84 episodes of hashtag us to say Fridays, which will of course continue and roll on every single Friday throughout this year and the years to come uh, for more looser, darker, rarer, rawer stuff. Not speaking of news with Ben Rohrer, who played for New South Wales uh, about 10 or 15 years ago. Um, but Pez, great cricket finals. That's what I was actually trying to say. Yep. Half an hour yeah. ago, great yeah. cricket finals are a thing. Uh, now you were saying recently to me that I I'd never clocked before that you never played a finals game. You never played oh, a great uh, final. Oh, cheers for that. Uh, I never played. <laughs> I never played a semi final of grade cricket. Grade. Uh, cricket. I, yeah, I was once selected as twelfth man, and that led to right. Um, yes, a pro- that led to a problem. But I did go to Blues and Roots in two thousand and five, and got to see some really good acts there. As a result, oh, yeah. yeah. So you know, sliding doors. But, but, fi- but finals generally just give rise to, I mean, real opportunities, not just to defeat an opposition, but to sap their soul out of them. Because I mean, just to even make a grand final, for instance, is most players don't even get to play in one. Um, and so, if you ever do make it. It's already a great season, but your entire season can be destroyed by a toss, can be destroyed by weather, can be destroyed for the first time where you get to experience what it's like playing in a test match because you can start playing for a draw. You can start manipulating time. You you're, you often play longer than what you do the rest of the season. So first and second grade play three-day grand finals, for instance. Um, other teams, they just have a one-day comp and they play two days. Um, so it, it does give rise to, well, I finish high on the table than you throughout the year because it rains more games in your, in your home district uh, so I can just bat forever and really fuck you off. And you've played the entire, you've given up your entire summer to reach the pinnacle. This one chance 
for you to win some silverware as a club player. And we're just going to bat for two days, actually. Um, and you probably won't actually get us. It's actually did happen to me once. Team just batted for two days. <laughs> we didn't. We didn't get a go. That's so awesome. <laughs> Seriously, that, was, that uh, is so awesome. <laughs> it was a fourth grade, fourth grade grand final against oh. Fairfield. Uh, they yeah. batted for. Uh, you know what? They batted really well. It's batted for two, <laughs> batted for two days. Oh, yeah. Also, a fourth grade team batting for two days is fucking. That says yeah. a lot about our bowling attack that year. I think. Yeah, <laughs> but also that's amazing. Also, you've now communicated you've played in multiple grand finals, which is kudos to you as well, right? I have, yeah. 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 I think I've played in four. Oh, fucking hell. Four grade grand finals. Yeah, yeah. And I won one of them. Got first oh. innings points in a second grade one and then, then got reversed. <laughs> got reversed, yeah. I barely, th- I barely think about that. Um, yeah, so good times. How's the how, – could you compare and contrast the circuits of losing versus winning grand finals? Identical. (laughs) (laughs) Are are all circuits the same? (laughs) Absolutely identical. Um, Yeah, like it's like a a bodily reaction to alcohol that I have after two or three drinks (laughs) and then I want to do the next thing and... I talk about the same things and uh, I want I yeah. have the same desires and it usually happens same about desires. the same rhythm, the same same pace, go to the same places, same people. Yeah. Yep. Pretty much, awesome. yeah. I know I know you're supposed to say, yeah, it was just you know, it was it was a bit of a somber circuit. <laughs> nah. Um it's like one of the only times where you get like the full team to come out because a lot of guys yeah. got families and, and so they might get one or two leave passes, you know, a hall pass, well, not a hall pass per se, but like a leave pass, you know, for for a night out. Mm-hmm. Um and it's always gonna be after the grand final. So you actually get the chance to be out together as a full team. Yeah. You generally celebrate anyway. I know you're supposed to be like, Oh yeah, we didn't win, so uh pff, nah, this is exactly the same thing. Yeah. Um Um so, uh, yeah, that's just me. Um, all right. Uh, but, you know, what is going to be one hell of a circuit uh, is the Australian women have only gone and done it. Um, mate, this, this, this caps off, like, possibly, possibly the most dominant era of an Australian sports team, maybe ever. Nah, I mean, there were some rugby league teams that won, like, 11 premierships in a row. That's, 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 that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Not um, national, sure though, is it? No, nah, it's not. It's really not. I mean, it's re- that's really that's really sort of targeted to one city in particular. <laughs> Maybe two mm. if you include Brisbane, um, mate. They they have won everything. They've they've yeah. almost won every single game for the last five years. It's yeah. fucking unbelievable. And then it comes yeah. to like the semi final, absolutely demolished the West Indies. Okay, yeah. England actually put up a really good fight in the end here because Australia won the final by seventy one runs. I think that okay. So just yeah. for those who don't know. Australia had a stick at the top. They got 350. Alicia Hilly got 170. England were like seven for 200 or something, then got themselves up to about 296 or something at the end. They were bowled out. Um, so closer than, than perhaps what it actually was. But the point being, complete domination of this, um, of this mode of cricket, um, of this format rather, like, like 26 wins in a row. Um, now World Cup winners, T20 winners, 90,000 people at the MCG a couple of years ago just before COVID. Um, this is uh, like what international team has this level of dominance for this long? It's actually remarkable. And mate, like with with the final, like you know, normally, normally you'd say this is a sort of game where the heist might be on. You know, Australia only beat England about forty five to fifty times in the last twelve months. 
uh, yeah. England <laughs> registering zero victories in that time. And then, you know, England were on the brink of being dumped from the ODI World Cup. Then they find yeah. some form. Then they storm into the final. Uh, and in a way, it's not fair uh, heading into the final because mm. you're like, well, we've <laughs> beat them, beaten them so many times. We have such comprehensive dominance over this team. And yet here we are in a 50-50 tussle where this particular game is worth more than all that came before. So it was a serious, you know, nothing to lose energy from England side of things. Um, Nat Siver in the lead up to the game is saying, well, we actually play more knockout cricket than Australia. It was all sort of let's put pressure on Australia. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, so it's all it's kind of in the back of your, well, my mortal mind that, you know, Christ, well, like what if England just steal this? I'm, I'm, I'm awake at night thinking that, obviously. Of course. Uh, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll admit that. Uh, and then you're like, oh, no. Nah. Alisa Healy hits 170 uh, in the first year. <laughs> you're like, oh, that's right. Like this, this is a fully professional side that has deservedly yeah. reaped the benefits of that investment. Uh, and now they've got the full set of everything. Like if it's there to be won, they've won it. They've done it. They're dominant. They're ruthless. Uh, they're gluttonous. And, you know, that's all we ask for as Australians. That's all we've ever asked of that team or any Australian team. All we ask yeah. for is just, you know, relentless foot-on-throat victories uh, year on year, at all costs and all times, and this team has delivered. And uh, not only that, it was a demon exercising victory, you know, because mm-hmm. in 2017 they didn't win. They didn't win one tournament once yeah. uh, five years ago, <laughs> and so there were demons that that sat within the body politic <laughs> of Australia, and yeah. Elisa Healy and co. exercised them for us. So I'm feeling demon-free. Dees are also yeah. playing well, uh, not to be confused with that. They are playing well. And, yeah. like... <laughs> I'm just thinking, you know, how and and the best thing about this side is they've still got Ash Barty to come into this side. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's and true. And you're there you're that's like true. Uh, you just it's it doesn't it doesn't the best thing I could say about this team is that like it, I'm not sure I felt safer, really. Like uh for Mate. a long time. You know, mm. not only is it d- destruction of all comers, which is how I like it, frankly. Of course. Uh, yeah. But it's like, it's names now, like Healy, Healy yeah, at the top, just the name Healy. Then you've got a little camera pan to Stark and you're thinking, I actually have no idea whether they have plans for having children uh, and mm. it's completely up to them. Whatever they like to do, obviously, they don't need my endorsement or disendorsement either well, way. Well, we, we actually do have a bit of a say in that, actually. A lot of people don't know that, but we... Got to yeah. say, if there's a lid or two, there's some sport in that. In Couple that. of tin lids. <laughs> yeah. In uh, it, yeah. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> I'm thinking next generation now. This is Ferguson stuff. All right, we've won this. 100%. What's the next thing? That's, uh, that's right. Elisa yeah. Healy, just 100 in the semi, 100 in the final. She's underperformed for ages, steps up. Deluxe, uh, and then also, yeah, shout out to Nat Siver, 148, uh, sensational opportunity for her in the sheds afterwards uh, for England. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Yep. Yeah, job done, mate. What about um, uh, when when you were saying, yeah, Ash Barty's got to come back into the team, mate? What about just mm. the fucking depth of the squad, like the players who didn't play? So what about Mollinger, the depth of it? Um, um, mm. Georgia Wareham didn't even go to this. Taylor Vlamick, Annabelle Sutherland. There's like there's mm. there's players in the squad that would walk into every single other international team with respect to those teams because like because England have good players as well. India have good players. South Africa are a good team. Um, but but like the depth. I mean, <laughs> we were talking to we got Barney Ronay coming up and we were talking uh, we were talking off air. I think it was anyway um, about Ash Barty was playing at a golf tournament on the weekend and she plays off two. 
because uh, of course she does. Yeah. And she won a tournament at Manly the other day. And what was the mm. prize money, Pez? Thirty bucks. <laughs> and you just and you're just thinking she's not retired a week, and she's just back competing. Like I'd just I'd competing. understand I'd understand Hash Barty like wanting to have a round of golf. Who wouldn't? Sure. You know, put your feet up. Have let's enjoy. Not have a nice walk around. Yeah. Nice course. Nice, I play off too. I can nice get myself around the yeah. course. Yeah, I can get around the course. <laughs> yeah, you get um, I'm gonna enter into a tournament. Like, on, and what is she? <laughs> What's that? Anyway, she's she's knocking on the door. First thing I want to know is what she spent the thirty dollars on. Um, exactly. Probably sure on a bit of cash. I reckon. Um, yeah, anyway. Uh, okay. <laughs> Always have to comment on people who are rich, hey. Oh, you're not sure a bit of buns, oh, right. are you? Yeah. Oh, no, you're sharing the coffees, cash. aren't you, Cameron? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Tim yeah. David gets picked up for an IPL deal yeah. for yeah. 8 trillion or whatever. Oh, he's buying, he's buying the yeah. beers. Because they still yeah. just go out to the pub with their mates and drink beers. It's just a Saturday sport. The IPL is just a Saturday sport. Um, anyway, uh, Healy... Uh, Elisa Healy finishes leading run score of the tournament. She got 100 in the semi-final, 170 in the final. That does help. Um, she just she just went past um, Rachel Haynes, her opening batting partner, uh, when she passed 160, I think. Um, so just pipped um, Rachel Haynes. Yeah. Um, in the in that uh, in Australia setting up their, their first innings, Meg Lanning obviously bats three for Australia. Possibly the possibly the best ODI player of all time. Mm, yeah, it's like seventeen hundreds. There's a lot of hundreds there. Average is like forty five. Yeah. Pretty good. Um, she came in at like number six, um, just because things are going pretty well. You got Beth mm. Mooney opens the batting in um, um, well has done recently anyway. The last couple of years in the T twenties, she batted three. Um, uh, oh yeah, and uh, Elise Perry came in at like seven. Uh, hit a couple of mm. fours at the end there. That's all pretty good. Everyone in this game sort of chipped in as well. Everyone did something. Tali mm. McGraw got one for Ash Gardner. Took the winning catch in the 2019 World Cup. Two catches here. Takes the winning catch here. Also gets one for Beth Mooney, 60. Uh, Rachel Haynes, 50. Everyone kind of did something. That's a nice day. And then Alana King, fucking hell, she bowls well. That's that's good. And she's probably, she was probably before the tournament behind Georgia Wareham, another leggy. Um, yeah, I think the point is, isn't the point that like there's just such a huge gulf between yeah. the Australian team and everybody else and in large part inspired by the they were kind of first to market, weren't they, on on full professionalisation and uh, the Cricket yeah. Australia, oh, that no is. Doubt, and, yeah. uh, and, and you know, we're thankful for that from a safety perspective. I turned, I, I turned it on and I always feel like because, you know, it's just narcissism and ego stuff that, like, once you turn it on, I knew the score was good. I turned it on. I'm like, oh, it's going to not be that good now that I'm watching. You know, there's going to be a wicket. No, no. Oh, yeah. It was just it was just more boundaries, no sixes, just boundaries. It's just it was just a boundaryathon. It was really really good to see, really good. Congratulations! To also, them. this team's this team's really famous. Like they're 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 famous athletes now, which is which is probably, probably from twenty nineteen World Cup. That was a huge moment, um, no doubt. With that many people at the MCG as well, but winning winning that tournament there was uh, was a big deal. Mm. Anyway, um, they're good and they'll never win again. And what they'll actually do is they'll be so they'll be so successful this team that any team after this team. Because mm. now all these games are on TV and they, and they are famous. Like any team after this team um, is going to be criticised and they'll be judged on how this team has performed. So if you that's don't right. win 26 ODIs in a row, get in the fucking bin. I don't want that's to know right. about it. That's one of the, yeah, that's the real like pessimistic approach to any success in sport because that's what we do in Australia. Once we get to a certain level, everyone's judged according to that level and you're just either, you're only a success if you beat that mark, if you basically pass the highest bar. Uh, so good luck to everybody coming afterwards. I just want to say... In um, like just in respect of this team, 
have you ever can you think of a, a sports team and I include like the men's team in this as well maybe the comparison is inappropriate but like that just has so completed a sport like because they'll be knocked off their perch at some point the Australian team it's just sport that's what will happen and there will be efforts to kind of castigate them and to um you know for, they'll they'll be just classic tribal banter stuff or whatever whether it's India England whoever and like uh but I think in this case it's kind of like doesn't matter because they did it they they really completed the game there's I don't know where where they go now like it's just do it again and again and again like there's I just in other sports like you think I think about football mm. think about even the men's team mm. that like they they struggled with they struggled with India for a long time like yeah. uh, just they, they've just completed it there's there's a there's a few examples I can think of like in, in like American sports where they're they've they're nearly teams like like when mm. do you remember when Golden State they were seventy yeah seventy they won seventy three games seventy two yeah. seventy five so they won seventy and then they but then the Cavs won that year that was the year that they yeah. were winning three one in the in the finals yeah. and then like LeBron had the block and all that like there was that was that series so they didn't even win yeah. the ring and then there's another one was it the Patriots who won they almost had the perfect season. They made it to the Super Bowl. They won every game, and then mm. they lost in the they lost in the Super Bowl. Um, so the, yeah, there's uh, maybe maybe it's maybe it's slightly different in like the, in those seasonal sports where a team can just live on. So even like when United won the treble, right? How do I don't know? They probably won the Premier League the next year, but they didn't. They didn't go like back to back to back. And, you know, Real Madrid won three Champions Leagues in a row, but they didn't win any leagues in that time. Barcelona mm. won the league, I think, all, all those years. So. It might be might, might be harder for like seasonal sports where every like a new chapter begins, whereas cricket sort of is more. It's not even seasonal anymore. It just sort of rolls on to the next mm. series, and so I do wonder like, okay, yeah, they've won, they've 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 got everything in the trophy cabinet right now, but what's next? I want to know what the next thing is. No, but there isn't. Um, that's, uh, that's, I think that's my point. Is I know it, whatever you say is next has been done. Like uh, mm. unless they they is, is there a rest of the world mm. contest or something? Like what what are we looking at? Right? <laughs> yeah. It's like our Bridgerton season two just came out. I, I want to know what's next. That's like, mate, um, took the words out of my mouth. Like Bridgerton <laughs> season two. <laughs> I've never even watched it, but it sounds it sounds spicy. It sounds saucy. Um, anyway, um, I also now Pez, should we talk about Pakistan and Australia in the men's yeah. in the men's stuff? Now I know Pakistan have won the series. And they played outstanding cricket in the second game. They chased 350 with nowhere to go. The third game, third and final game, Australia got fucking punked by nine wickets. They chased like 200 and something, one down. Um, but I was just thinking like, is Australian cricket really good again? Like, And I say that somewhat ironically because we've just lost this series, but like they've won the T20 World Cup, got the Ashes, number one test team in the world. I'm not sure how accurate that is, but I mean, I've got the ranking. The women are just fucking demolishing everyone. Are we... Are we good? Are we are we happy? Are we satisfied? Is because like when I say that in the context of this series, look, Cameron Green, with respect to Green, how big is he? Uh, he's opening the bowling in, in in these games, and it's like okay, so this isn't full strength. Like Stark is obviously watching Elisa in the final. Cummins isn't playing. Whole list of injuries or IPL guys. Mitch Marsh is injured. He's he's already gone over to Delhi to be treated by Patrick Farhart. Um, so it's not a full strength team, but um, so yeah, caveat, 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 caveat. Uh, but I do wonder, like, is Australian cricket in a really good place, and what should and should I be happier? Hmm. 
Certainly the the smells are there. The smells are there of Australian cricket mm. being good, question mark. But mm. it's all a little bit transient, isn't it? Like, it, like the caveats with Australia are like, it, when we say they're good, well, we just played against England who aren't. You know, I, I don't know how much yeah. of it was. Like, we, we were good, but a, a lot of it was that they weren't very good as well. You know, we weren't. We weren't really tested. Like, they've shown that they're not very good against other teams. It wasn't like we made them look really bad necessarily. There was a little bit of that. And then I think the Pakistan win is, that's the sign from a men's perspective. Mm. That's the sign that mm. they're starting to do things that they can't normally do or that they don't normally do. But I think they still need to, there's still a little bit more to go. But yeah, the, the signs are good. But as I said before, they can only be good once they become better than Steve Waugh's team. So a really long way to go. Yeah. Really yeah. long way. Like, I, I, like in terms of satisfaction, I, I, I'll, I'll refuse to be satisfied until they at least match <laughs> or surpass Steve yeah. Waugh. And that's not just on-field yeah. stuff. That's off too. <laughs> and also the Rolling Stones song, Satisfaction. <laughs> Um, once I surpass that, then I'll be then I'll be happy. What, um, mate? Uh, Barbara Azam is really good player. Um, I think I think he's got a bright future ahead of him. Um, so let's 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 give some credit to that. Um, he's already got like twenty ODI hundreds or some shit. Um, and he looks good doing it. So there's that. Um, but from an Australian perspective, um, Ben McDermott hit his first hundred. Uh, Travis yeah. Head opened the batting, fucking blitzed the century in the first game off seventy balls. In the second game, he hit I think eighty. 80 something 80. off off sim off 70 balls again. Looks a fucking business opening the batting. Now, a, a broader question that people are asking is about Aaron Finch who um <clears throat> struggled in this series. In the in the in the in the second game where Head and McDermott, McDermott got 100 and Head got in the 90 80 or 90. Finch was out first ball, he missed a full toss off Shahin Shah for LBW. Um and it just gives rise to some eyes stuff, like have the eyes gone? Um, because once they've gone, you know you can't you can't get that back. Uh, it's like it's like tearing a hamstring. Once you've torn your hamstring, it'll never be the same again. Um, but yeah, uh, that's the only big issue coming out of this series, I think, from a white ball perspective. Because I mean, Finch is one of Australia's greatest ever white ball players, IMO. Um, but if he's opening the batting, it's like it's where so many runs are scored that the top three guys score almost all the runs in white ball cricket now. Uh, and if you've got a guy who is on a decline, he's on a decline. I think that's that's fair to say. Um, you know, is there someone better who can score more runs? I don't know, but that's probably the big question. I think. Hmm. Yeah, he went is five it? zero, five zero and nine. I mean, yeah. Uh, you know, he's got look. He's he remains in the side because he's the captain and. Uh, yeah, he's obviously got a lot of like he's got credit in the bank, you know, in cricket. Oh, like he's got bank every, everyone's got a bank, and you know some of that. Some of those banks need to operate on credit overdraft stuff. He's probably into overdraft Finch, mm-hmm. uh, and he, he's he's really using that. He's he's, he's had a, a couple of lines of credit extended now, I think, but he's been given it mm. because of captain stuff. Uh, bombs in the past. He's a he's a bombing type player, so like it seems to me. Yeah. It seems to me like. That kind of style player can they can come back from that, and also good bloke levels as well. Like uh, you know, we chatted with him the other day, Great and bloke. obviously once you see someone's a good bloke, then you just take it easy yeah. on them, uh, totally uh, with complete bias, uh, and a, just a removal of of all manner of objectivity in the hope that they remember you and your name once, uh, so you get a fleeting hit of dopamine and and a sense of a, yeah. 
uh, a superficial identity. He goes, uh, let's just hope he can. He's heading to the IPL. Let's just hope yep. he heads over to the, you know, the carnival of throbbers at the IPL. Be around fellow throbbers, rediscover his throb, and start hitting bombs as a result. Uh, I think it's pretty clear that, like, um, if, if he doesn't, then they're taking a huge risk holding on to a guy at the top of the order who for a long period of time hasn't scored runs. It's the Australian cricket team. It doesn't owe anybody anything really. It it owes to the nation the best players. There's a lot of, you know, Finch's Finch has a pattern of poor performance now. It's nothing personal yeah. against him. Uh he he needs to rediscover something. He's in he's in rediscover territory. He, some, something yeah. has to click for him in a different jersey or under a different coach or something like that. Uh, there needs to be some freeing thing that happens. Uh, otherwise, you know, they should find somebody else who can perform better. And that's just, um, that's just it's just the Australian team. It's 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 yeah. cutthroat shit. I, it's interesting because the, the 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 big tournament this year for the Australian cricket team. If I, it, it sounds like it sounds like the India Australia series is going to get postponed by a few months. So it'd be next year. So the the big tournament is the home T Twenty World Cup this year, later this year in September, October, whenever. Um, and he'll be desperate to obviously try and win that as the captain at home. That'd be a huge fucking moment in anyone's career. But as a captain, and he's already just won one. So to defend a T20 World Cup is a great opportunity to do it at home 12 months after you've just won the thing. Um, he's He he has played 88 T20Is for Australia. He averages 34. Um, but I think he's actually the... I think he's... It's either he, he or Warner scored the most runs ever for Australia, which I know is a bit of a, a time thing because it's quite a new... Um, advent T20 cricket internationally anyway so um, there's that but and then there's a then there's a 50 over World Cup 12 months after that now that seems like a bit of a stretch though if he does make it to this year's T20 World Cup as the captain then he's obviously done enough to get himself into the team then he is probably likely to go again and then lead the side in India for 50 over World Cup but uh, he's he's got to show something I, I, I do think that for the first time I know there was a bit of there's, there's been chat for about almost a year every innings he goes out he's like he's got to show something and he just about has um but every failure just starts adding up and it's like if he's, he's probably leaving the door open for someone else now if someone else is just has to be picked then they're probably going to do that but yeah he's getting into that sort of territory anyway um that's what happens in that odi series in pakistan uh anything huh. else you want to talk about from that no not really i mean it's going to be super forgettable sorry yeah it's just i think yep. a lot of people would agree with that I'm sure most people haven't even watched it or even aware that it was on. Um, so just uh, talking about Australian cricket now, the day five of the Sheffield Shield is happening right now as we're recording this, but it looks like Western Australia about to win it. Um, I can get a live score in front of us, but uh, what happened is Western Australia, it's it's at, it's at the Wacker, isn't it? It's in Perth, but it's I think it's at yeah. the Wacker. Yeah. Because yep. um, uh, footy be played at Optus Stadium, right? Um, so Western Australia got 386 in the first innings. Victoria chasing... With three for two thirty, chasing three eighty six, and then they lost seven for seventy, all out three oh six. So therefore, Western Australia now in front of the game. Um, when I started this agenda, they were Western Australia was seven for three hundred and forty four, so leading by four hundred and too many. And uh, it is the last day today. Um, Aaron Hardy, uh, batting seven, the all rounder for for Western Australia, he took three from the first dig. He got Pete Hanscom out, which was a big wicket, which started that collapse uh, of Victoria. Uh, he's now on like one hundred and fifty in the third innings. Um, of that game. So uh, uh, he's probably going to get mad in the match. So that's pretty good. So yeah, Western Australia winning Shields, mate. Last WA Shield win was last century. 
so that's a yeah yeah 98 99 so that's a big old circuit for adam vogues and his team yeah uh and the state frankly and i i expect nothing less than the similar celebrations that queensland saw when they finally won in 95 or whatever the fuck it was oh Uh, yeah yeah, yeah. i'll say that aggressively to mask the fact Mm. that i should probably know when that was but uh i expect (laughs) i expect nothing less I want, yeah, I want uh, ticket tape parade, obviously, or maybe it's on a boat you know, on the Swan River, uh, yep. maybe some casino stuff. Uh, so yeah, that, that's that's a big old that's a big old circuit for WA, I think. And congrats to them. Um, Aaron Hardy's on 166 not out as we speak, and they are leading at the moment by 466. Oh, those runs say. would be great. How how great would those runs be? I mean, they're not going to be cracking open beers yet, but like guys would be getting naked now. Uh, surely, which is the obvious symbol of success. You know, like in those rare like grand finals or finals in any sport where like you are so comprehensive in your victory that the last like you know the last like a good percentage of the game gets to be a party. Like that's yeah. got to be the best, right? Like the last thirty percent, the 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 victory, the result is assured, and you get to enjoy uh, all of the fun that you're having knowing full well that the opposition is completely demoralized as well. I mean, everyone gets their energy from different sources. Uh, that would be of one of mine. And any yeah, that's right. Uh, and in Western Australia, a lot of fracking, I reckon. Um, but yeah, we're looking at it's like some uh, some Madison overs, I reckon, uh, coming up. Yeah, what sort um, of overs are you getting? Or Pukowski bowling left-handed, stuff like be that. A, yeah, Pukowski overs, yeah. Um, now, I should say in this game, Sam Whiteman got 100 uh, in the beginning of the 30s, 123. And, uh, but setting it up was Cameron Bancroft. He had 141 in the first dig. That's nice to see him doing well and stuff. Pukowski also got 50 in the first innings. That's good for him. Pete Hanscom, 80. And uh, yeah, um, but like you look at the Victorian bowling attack, Scott Boland's playing, um, Will Sutherland, John Holland, um, some good players knocking about, uh, as it is, as it should be, because it's a Sheffield Shield final, isn't it? Um, Pez, in other Australian news, uh, well, from a New South Wales perspective and former Australian player, Peter Neville um, has announced his retirement, um, which uh, I suppose which actually might signal a bit of moving round of the deck chairs uh, with wicket keepers. Uh, I know you've said you've said privately anyway that like New South Wales, Josh Philippe. He'd be, he'd be begging. He'd be begging for. He's actually wiki keeping in this game for us in Australia. But um, yeah, you'd have a look at that. Anyway, Pete Neville, um, very good career. Played Test cricket for Australia. Uh, got dropped because he didn't talk enough. Um, yeah. Uh, during that era, that was <laughs> just before sandpaper. Don't know how that all went down. But uh, yeah. Uh, I've, um, how many games? He played like 100 games for New South Wales, didn't he? Played Over 100 games for New South Wales. Great gloves, really good bat for a long time. Uh, I'm sure he's very proud of his 17 tests, as he should be. Always looked really mm. good in a baggy green, Peter Neville. Just, really it good. Just fit, it fit yep. him just right. Uh, yeah, you find yourself staring at a picture of that, and you're like, oh, I'm staring a bit longer than I need to, but the symmetry of it was yeah. really nice. Uh, he was a victim. Yep, he was a victim of a ludicrous time in Australian cricket where they pursued, you know, anger and aggression as a means of improving ordinary performances. And he made way for Matt Wade because um, he didn't snarl enough or some shit. Uh, And yeah, like, you know, maybe the most argumentative (laughs) thing I could say is like in terms of... uh, And it's certainly arguable, but like in terms of image and style, you know, Tim Payne was arguably a, you know, a poor man's Peter Neville and things could have been different. Uh, he, he he came. He was the Tim Payne before mm. Tim Payne came along in terms of what the Australian yeah. team needed. Uh, but timing wasn't on his side. Great person. Uh, he's in a rock. He's he, he's in a rock and roll band as well. Rock and roll. Yeah, he plays uh, guitar. Yeah. yeah, the Seething Heathens or something like that. Uh, and I guess most importantly, he's an admired person in the tubs from all reports. 
Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure if he appreciates that or not, but it's Probably more not, than no. one. It's more than, no, okay, well, maybe he does. Maybe he just pretends he doesn't, but <laughs> more than one source, um, more than one mm. source proactively highlights his presence yep. in the tubs. Yeah. Uh, uninvited. Uh, not his uninvited presence, uninvited sources. So as, as in yep. they've just, they do it in and yeah. of themselves. So just, that's a, hey, that's a good crew. Yeah. Yep. He's from Victoria so as well, and it's not a, so not, a lot of guys, uh, not a lot of guys are not a lot of a lot of guys make the switch from Victoria to New South Wales. There's not a lot of back and yep. forth between. There are exceptions, but there aren't you know not a lot of back and forth. He comes along from Victoria, New South Wales captain. So it's a pretty fine career from Peter Neville. Uh, and we one time um, asked him on the show, and he said no thanks. Um, so he showed really good judgment too. <laughs> <laughs> Truly, <laughs> it was it was at an inopportune time. To be fair uh, to him, yeah, yeah, I hosted an event with him once, and uh, I yeah, and I said yeah, you should come on the show, and he's like yeah, okay, yeah. Anyway, let's burn him. Um, all right, uh, now as as well as swimmingly as things are going, you know, uh, down on this part of the uh, this part of the planet. Uh, things aren't going so well in England, and we thought, well, who better to articulate the thoughts and the feelings of the English people uh, and just get an insight of what's going on. We spoke to Barney Rone for, uh, for about uh, 15 or 20 minutes or so, and here he is right now. It's been a while, but it's great to have him back. Uh, you know, the big dog of sports writing at The Guardian, Barney Rone. I don't know if he appreciates being called a big dog, uh, but it's a term <laughs> of endearment. And the first thing that came into my head, Barney, g'day. Uh, hi, hi. Yeah, that's that's very empowering. Actually, I, I feel I feel good now. Um, let's let's surf that wave. Nice one. Okay, good. Get on the board. Uh, how are you feeling about the great red ball reset in England men's cricket? Yeah, that um, it's just such a that phrase is really important because it, it sums up the absolute bullshit around England men's cricket and the fact that it was invented by Tom Harrison, who came out with it in an interview. And who is essentially a marketing man. He used to be the ECB's head of marketing and then was made head of everything to do with cricket because someone somewhere decided that was just marketing. So to come out with a phrase that has absolutely no meaning at all. It doesn't mean anything. Nothing's been reset. It's the same players. Um, it's really good. I'm really glad nobody's forgotten it because it, it, it's, it, it's, it's a great thing because it sums up everything that's wrong with cricket and also the world. Just, just on that, um, <laughs> okay. How do, well, uh, yeah, because there's too much marketing overlay in the world. I understand. Just, just sticking with England cricket, and then we'll we'll play it out. Like we'll broaden it. Um, it's yeah. stri- You mentioned Tom Harrison being a marketing guy, and it just strikes me that the entire setup with England cricket and red ball cricket is just um, is just begging for a marketing reset to give English fans a new, a new overlay from which to enjoy the game. You know, like when, when results and characters are looking soft, you then revolutionise through hard characters or type A personalities, you know, like who are the type A's that England are going to turn to now to reignite fans? Like, like the, the type A cavalry, Rob Key as director, is both of them involved, you know, Stokes, Australians, Northerners, people who drink, um, you know, four four two, <laughs> long ball, target yeah. man, pride in pride in the joint kind of performances, like Darren Lehman, you know, Yorkshire, like who who are we who are we turning to to reset with the same players? 
yeah, that, that is obviously the direction we're heading in. Um, the thing with Silverwood Route, that people kept, this idea's gone out, the problem was that they were both nice people and that was a problem. You can't have two nice people in the same room or everybody gets overwhelmed by these weak um, <laughs> traits. Uh, a lot of the um, a lot of the old players, and it's important that old players say things. Obviously, the 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 person they reference most is Nasser Hussein, who came in and was incredibly angry um, when England were terrible at one point, and that seemed to be what they needed, and they got slightly better. I mean, it, it did coincide with <laughs> it coincided with uh, central contracts and things like that, which may have had slightly more tangible effect. But I'm sure it was just the fact that he was angry that was the real thing. So. Um, that, that seems to be where we're going, but not in any great hurry because um, Joe Root still seems to be the captain. Um, and there's nobody, the ECB is this kind of empty organization. There's this enormous vacuum. There's nobody there in a position to fire anyone or to change anything. So that, that it must be really, really boring and strange for the rest of the world to hear English cricket still talking about, do you think maybe now that we've won one test in 17 and at the bottom of the test table, there might be something we could change and, and it's become a big soppy drama about whether Joe Root should be the England test captain, which is incredibly boring for everyone involved, but he, he's still hanging on in there somehow, um, which I find really extraordinary. I like that the, the, the cricket now has a table to, to base all of our values on. It's finally, it's good to get like a laddering system to see like how everyone's performing when really it's just a series by series basis. But I want to ask you, Bar Barney, like I'm being slightly cheeky given that, one test win out of 17 isn't that good, but is it possible that the team gets worse with a less experienced captain? No, no, I think it's, it's impossible for the team to get worse. Um, I think that there's this idea that um, there's this sort of fatalism that because the team is so bad and, and you look at the structures and you immediately pick up all the problems, the pitches, the, you know, the pathways, that even mm. don't deserve a good test captain. You can't have a good captain if everything's really bad. And it's just not true. I was listening to Mark Butcher talking about this, interest, uh, which I thought was quite interesting, where he's been in dressing rooms where collapses repeatedly happen. And, and he was really adamant. Of course, it comes down to leadership and what, what the, the feelings of the people are in that dressing room. And a lot of things come down to tiny details. Like if England win at home now, we'll quickly forget that all the structures from the first time, you know, an infant picks up a cricket bat to walking out of Lords are all completely rotten and wrong. And we'll decide that, you know, actually, Sakib Mahmood's quite good, isn't it? Maybe maybe that's the future. Um, yeah. And so we, we kind of, we, it's a very interesting thing to create this massive drama around it where you keep this guy on and say, no, nobody else could possibly do the job. When in fact, like tiny details really come down to it. And, mm -hmm. and, and it also, the problem is that um, as soon as you stop caring about Test Cricket enough to, to sack the captain, the whole thing just kind of falls apart. As soon as Test Cricket becomes Ollie Robinson backing away in Hobart to play a third ball, to play a kind of reverse sweep and nobody cares, and you kind of feel the players are happy to finish that day so they don't have to come back the next morning. You need to be Steve Waugh levels of desperation to win, to hang on, to not lose now, to lose half an hour later. But every detail must matter. Or something like Test Cricket completely falls apart because it's an absurd pastime in many ways and it doesn't make sense and as soon as you say well not very good but does it really matter and he's nice and let's just keep him on the scouts and then it stops mattering you do need to be kind of nasty and it needs to really matter um, <clears throat> and England could do with someone who really really I'm not saying Jeremy doesn't take it seriously but why is he still wanting to be the captain when clearly it's not working why 
Um, and it, the whole thing kind of falls apart slightly. I remember a guy who, someone who played for England under 19s and actually had quite a long uh, test career, uh, go, talking about going to field as 12th man for England as a young cricketer when NASA was the captain uh, and going along and it just being this mind-blowing experience of being so tense about being at Lords with this other guy who went with his teammate from Kent, we're here to be 12th man. And he was so nervous about going in there and it felt so, seeing these guys in the dressing such a huge thing. He walked in and the only thing NASA said to him the whole test was, they walked in and said, we're here, you know, we're here to be 12th. And he just looked at them and went, uh, two cunts from Kent. And that was it, fuck off. And that was the end of it. And, and when I hear about Joe being this great guy and, and it's all, you know, it's a really great environment. I, I don't want, I want to keep cunts from Kent, fuck off, who are you? And, and it's just high stakes and desperation. And maybe that's slightly toxic or bad, but everybody really wanted to win. And it was really hard to be the England captain. And you had to be this tough, imperious bastard and I don't really feel that at the moment. When you speak to Joe Root, it's kind of like you're talking, he's very childlike. You're talking to a nice guy who's quite childlike. But mm. when you spoke to Vaughan, who maybe not, maybe not as intelligent, maybe, you know, as emotionally intelligent as Joe Root, you felt like you were talking to an absolute bastard who would mm. um, defeat you in so many ways and beat you at cards and be horrible to you, but would know how to win test matches. And there just isn't that anymore. And, a lot of the journalists close to the England team are quite embedded, in my opinion. And because Root's nice to them and seems like a nice guy, we get this very cosy atmosphere. And no, I, I say bring back um, bring back a feeling of epicness and nastiness and two cunts from Kent. <laughs> so good. So you're ruling Sam Billings out then. Is, no, uh, so um, <laughs> what's the... is? Uh, shall we shall we prepare for the the Langer Stokes axis? I mean, that's is that that's what you want. You you want you want the soft soft sand runs, the som. You want like you want ruthlessness. You want mm. snarling stuff. Like it, 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 that's the reset you're after. I mean, surely at this stage everybody wants that. I mean, Langer would be brilliant, wouldn't he? Just to see. Because he would hate, he'd have to find something to hate. He'd find many things to hate about it and to feel that were wrong and weak. And I'd just be so fascinated to see what those things, what he would change. He'd instantly change something. Something would change instantly. It would be, we're going to get rid of this. No more families, no more phone calls, no more mobile phones, no more talking about your feelings, like no yeah. more camera tea. Some things would go, there'd be a temple in action. And even that would be so bracing. I'd love to see the wreckage. Um, I'd be really genuinely interested to see which England batsman thought had any chance of being test batsman because he does obviously understand that in a way lots of people don't. That would be interesting. Um, and, and it would be really bracing. I don't know where it would lead to. Um, I think probably, you know, Australia have some pretty good players and that's why they did well um, in the last couple of years rather than Langer being a coaching genius. And that'd be fascinating. I don't think Stokes wants the job. He certainly would never talk about it. He's massively loyal to Joe Root. You know, they have a really close bond. And Stokes is, a, is essentially a very good guy you know he's never come out you don't get you don't get the leaks you normally get at this stage of people you know you kind of hear friends close to Stokes saying he might be interested that's not happened because he's not that kind of person and also his legacy is secure he's a very wealthy man he can play the IPL for the next 10 years he doesn't really need the job um, but he would be good he'd immediately be better because he'd make better on-field decisions and England would suddenly look a bit more like a cricket team and we could stop talking about you know structural stuff and crises in masculinity and 
you know, the class war and all this kind of stuff that happens whenever England don't win some test matches because captain's not very good. Who uh, else? I'm... Who else, Barney? Sorry, just follow up. He goes, look, no Stokes. If it's not Stokes, is it someone from outside the team? Is it Stuart Broad? Is it Jimmy? Well, yeah. who, who are you anointing? Well, Stuart Broad would be a disaster, obviously. Um, a, he, he's not guaranteed to be in the team, so that would be a problem. He's not happy to be out of the team even when he's not captain. Um, he writes newspaper columns slagging off what the captain's doing. It would be a disaster. He's an incredibly selfish cricketer. It doesn't mean he's not a really good cricketer. But I remember when he was England 2020 captain, a T20 captain, and, oh, yeah. and then suddenly he was not. And it just happened. He was suddenly just not there. And no one ever talked. It was never talked about. It's the family secret we never talk about. It was about 10 years ago. And no one ever really went into why that had to stop. But it definitely just had to stop because it was bad. Um, yeah. And I, I'm sure he really understands cricket and is a brilliant part of it. He'd be a disaster. Um, obviously, it can't be Anderson. He's too old. But I honestly think it could be Jack Leach or Saqib Mahmood or Craig Overton. And how much worse are you going to get, really? You know, it's only that we massively over-fetishise the captaincy in England because uh, this kind of officer class thing and the men will get out of control if we don't have someone who looks like a captain. Um, but honestly, it could be anyone. It wouldn't be any worse if we could talk about something else, um, like the fact that most people don't even know cricket exists in this country, but it's invisible. Yeah. And these are the things we should be focusing on. Um, mm, yeah. So, yeah, anyone would do for me. Now, I'd, I'd bring in someone from outside, I think. I actually think Billings would be okay. Uh, not just because he's posh and looks like a captain, but um, uh, he, he's played the kind of really good guy who runs the drinks out role really well because that's good for him. That's like a really good role for him to be in. And he would apply the same ruthlessness to being a captain, I think. Uh, he doesn't fear anyone. He'd be really a bit brutal uh, and it would be quite fun. I think he's good enough to be in the team as well. So he might be worth a go. Um, seven tests this summer, Barney. Three against New Zealand in June. One against India in July, three against South Africa in September. Um, who's going to win the hundred this year? Mm. <laughs> I, um, I think England could lose all those Test matches. Um, yeah. South Africa are good; they've got good bowling attack. Yeah, and New Zealand are obviously good. India are better than England. They could lose all of them. They, you know, they're relying on Jimmy Anderson still to swing it a bit. Um, so yeah, it would be fascinating if they did lose. I mean, at some point, the kind of grey army who support English cricket are going to stop doing that. You know, we've been kind of, you know, squeezing the most out of the product. How long can you just keep losing and being terrible and play three-day games before people lose interest? Um, mm. The 100 actually looks quite good, funnily enough. Have you seen the draft? Have you seen the draft list? You can sign no, um, the no reserve price on um, Umar Akmal, which is interesting, um, who obviously wouldn't be playing cricket at all if his ban for corruption hadn't been rescinded. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I, I love him just smash everyone around in the hundred. That he could be the face of the hundred. That'd be fantastic. <laughs> and yeah, snap him up. He's, there's no reserve price there. Is it? Uh, such a cliche or boring question. It's the last one from me, Barney. Like, do, do you think the hundred and its evangelists might be commensurately sheepish? as it looms, you know, as possibly, you know, the great symbol of English cricket's breakdown? Or do you think that those who evangelise the 100 actually see it as the the light out of English cricket struggles? You know, if you if you follow the 100 and everyone and catch up and the test team will buy corollary work as well. It's really hard to understand what people think about the 100 because... There's so much bad faith in the way people talk about these things. And no one is straight, really. There's a whole sort of 
generation of otherwise, you know, people who I really like and respect who analyze the game in England, who have decided the hundred is good because people who they don't like say it's bad. And, and this, you get into this kind of argument where mm. the ECB is very, very clever in saying, um, you know, this is a great tournament for women's cricket, which it really is, you know, but that doesn't mean it's a good idea. Why didn't you invest in women's cricket previously? Why, why can't women have a 2020? It doesn't make any sense. And there's so many sort of um, bad arguments around the 100. Um, whereas essentially it's, an, it's just a way of cutting the counties out of the picture. The counties are a problem for the ECB and they're a problem for the ECB um, in the way it funds itself, the way it runs cricket. And so they've come up with a thing that cuts them out, creates a bit of IP that they might be able to sell to someone. That's all it is. And around that, we have to have these ludicrous kind of um, tribal arguments about what's good and what isn't good and what is the most sort of morally appropriate way. But clearly, it's a ludicrous thing. Why have we invented another format? It's, I don't understand it. I look at the school. <laughs> I don't understand it. Like, is it really six ball overs with the thing stopping children in deprived inner city areas from playing cricket? Obviously, that's not true. Um, I, I don't, yeah, I don't understand it at all. Um, and we have just too many strange formats going on. It's clearly a bad idea. Um, it would have been much more honest to simply um, just admit that the counties don't work and find another way around it. But instead, we have to have endless sort of tribal arguments, which I'm probably feeding into uh, now. Um, but yeah, um, I'll watch it. Um, there'll be some kit teams in funny coloured shirts doing stuff. Umar Akmal's playing this year. <laughs> Tim David probably there. Yeah, yeah it'll be good. That's it. Walk in, kind of turn on the TV, like a sort of big day and there's some stuff on or who's on, he's on this amount of runs and maybe you watch a, a 10 ball over or whatever the hell it is. And graphics are different. Have a beer and the graphics are a bit different and all oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Tweet, then go off and do something else. And who won, la- you know, <laughs> who won last night and then do that like 40 times during the summer. Yeah, that's. But is it a competition that anyone outside of England actually cares about? Is it just, is it, I mean, what's the view of it? Is it just this ludicrous, what are they doing to themselves now? Why have they done this? Or do, I guess it all comes down to money. I mean, I guess Australian players will play and if there's enough cash involved. I mean, is that, is that all it is? Or does it really look stupid outside England? Or does it look like, oh, what's the <laughs> It's hard to say because the, because it, you know, it just kicked off in, COVID times. And mm. I just don't think the actual optic of it was ever achieved. The, op- the optic is meant to be like, you know, 15,000 people packing out of ground, drinking beers, younger, a younger image and guys hitting bombs. And we just never got to see it because no one was there. Right. Or if there were, there weren't that many, it was just weird. Yeah. 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 It, it was very, it does need a proper run before you can uh, instantly dismiss it as a ludicrous idea um, without me to suggest that I've preset my own idea. It, do, it does need a proper summer and a hot summer, which often doesn't happen. The weather could kill this thing. You know, that's the problem with trying to recreate that in England. But um, it still makes very little sense to me. And every other part of the game is, is falling apart in its wake. You know, it's kind of sad. Ani Rone, thanks a million. Thanks. On that upbeat note, yeah, thanks. <laughs> Uh, hopefully you've got something fun coming up to make up for that. Thank you very much to uh, Barney Ronay. Wonderful to uh, have his uh, erudite thoughts. Uh, we're very lucky to for, for Barney to come onto the show. Um, and he just does it because he's actually just a really big fan. Um, he actually just sort yeah. of contacts us and says, boys, can I please come yeah. on, please? Every please. week. Have to fight Every him week. off. Yeah, mate, just we need a bit of separation from you, Barney. Thank you. Um, but we'll, we'll contact you. Um, there's, um, 
No, thank you, thank you to Barney. Um, the the IPL <laughs> is is the cricket that is happening right now. Uh, most oh, yeah. players around the world aren't interested in playing for their international teams, um, which isn't really their problem at all. Um, that's uh, that's that's a capitalism thing. Um, but uh, the IPL is happening uh, now. It's interesting this year because obviously last year's IPL was split between two parts because when Delta took over. Delta got into, as in the Delta variant, not Delta Goodrum, got into the bubbles. I'm not sure what Delta's up to actually, but um, got into the bubbles and they, they had to uh, postpone the tournament. And the second half was in the UAE and there were no fans throughout the entire year. Now fans are coming back into the stadiums. The entire tournament right now is happening in Mumbai. There's like three or three or four grounds uh, where all these games are being played at. Um, and there's like 50% capacity at the moment. And it's nice to see people at the cricket again. Uh, we've obviously, we're very lucky in Australia to have that throughout the entire summer. Uh, all, all the... All the stadiums were, were more or less, um, maybe not full, but um, not far away. Um, but it's nice to see people there again because there's great energy at the IPL. And the cricket, you know what? The cricket's pretty good. There's a lot of good players coming uh, coming into the teams now because they're just sort of wrapping up with their international teams, uh, the Australian guys included in that. Um, yeah, because they're going to be unavailable. Like Warner, for instance, was, was going to miss the first like two games for Delhi, his new team. Uh, but he'll be back now. But, uh, but yeah, uh, and the tournament's just started. Obviously, we're covering that. Um, just about every day on YouTube and on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash great cricketer. Um, so if you want to get all the information about what's happening in the IPL and us talking shit about it, um, you can get it there. Is there anything that's caught your eye, Pez? Is there anything you want to talk about in the IPL? And we're doing it every day. So if people want it, you can get it. Uh, you know, you know how to find it. But yeah, what, what's, has anything caught your eye? A uh, couple new teams. CSK, no wins. Mumbai, no wins. A couple of big boys not winning. Sunrisers, no wins, but they're just bin stuff. Cadditch uh, walked away from them. It looks pretty bad for Sunrisers, but hopefully our Indian sponsor, Akko, gives us a Sunrisers lid. And if they do, <laughs> then I'll change my tune. Uh, Rajasthan look really good. They've been pumped for a little while. Uh, Joss Butler hit 100, so we saw some peak Joss. That's all you're after, yep. really. Not to be confused with Doss, uh, who's yeah. commentating. Uh, but there's a bit, yeah. of peak, bit of peak Doss stuff. Uh, Liam Livingston whacked a couple overnight. Uh, he, thra- he thrashes it about. Big pipesman. Andre Russell did the same recently for KKR. Uh, some of the crowd makes yeah. it a little bit better. So, yeah, like IPL is, a, is an eye-trapping tournament by and large, but you've got a few ear trappings now as well. So it's that's coming mm. together nicely. Uh, and Sandrew Sampson, who plays for Rajasthan Royals, uh, has very strange lid positioning. So he's one of the best players in the IPL. Doesn't get much mm. of a gig for India, what's doing there. But um, mm. he's a real mainstay for Rajasthan, except that he positions his grill like um, a, a number 11 would in under-12s cricket, whose um, dad makes them play and then mum looks after their, their cranium by ensuring yeah. that the helmet is actually fully covering the face and the, and the head, right. which is quite... Uh, quite a sensible thing to do, but obviously it creates, um, you know, it, it, it creates poor social capital value. Uh, and so we've mm. spent a bit of time talking about that uh, because the IPL is different. You know, you can have a guy like Sandrew Sampson who doesn't know how to wear a helmet properly, still boshing blokes everywhere. Yeah. Uh, I think uh, I think for the most part, I think people are sceptical. We spoke to a lot of people last year, um, either directly or through Patreon or whatever, who said, you know, I never really watched the IPL. Last year was our first time watching it as well. You know, weird times, don't trust it, funny colours, haze, yeah, cricket yeah. in India, it's all new. I don't I don't, yeah. I don't know what it's about. So yeah. last time was our first time. You know what? We really we had a really good time. So if you're interested in joining us for the IPL, we're just trying to make light of it and just trying to figure it out ourselves, uh, then join us. You know where to find us on the internet. Hey, Pez, uh, Dan Christian uh, is a guy who has played in the IPL and he's played for Australia and he's played for many other cricket teams, including grade teams, which is why we relate to him so 
so so well, so so deeply, so deeply. Um, but before before we speak to uh, to Christo, uh, which hopefully this interview doesn't get taken down, uh, depending who he's contracted by at the moment. Uh, is he with Knots again? I'm not sure. Oh, yeah, I think he's actually. <laughs> um, <laughs> it wasn't them who asked us to take it down. Uh, we're going to thank our dear friends at Budgie Smuggler. We sit at the top of the show, the event at Luna Park, April 21, budgiesmuggler.com. 30% off tickets. Use the code ALPHA. Great stuff, Sons of the East. Bucking Bulls. Drinks covered, included in the price. It's all there. Bring some mates. Get down. Luna Park, April. Fuck yeah. Uh, I know it's And you're going. People, that's tra- like, that's trapping. Get, get out of this. Yeah, but don't go f- for me. Don't go for me. I mean, well, that's what someone would say who you know isn't. That's a good. Uh, yeah, it's oh, he's going yeah. for the. Is like Bill Hicks would say like he's, he's it, that he's going for the humble dollar. That's a good dollar. You know, no, yeah, I'm yeah, not yeah. doing that. Uh, yeah, well, it's the same. Oh, as I'm Pete saying the tubs. Yeah. It's just like oh, I'm. You know, I, I don't. I don't really want you guys to talk about that, but. You know, if, if would you, you know, get like, would you get on the bucking bull? Would it require a few beers, or would you get on the bucking bull regardless? Um, I'm not a bucking bullsman myself, um, yeah. but if is it was a from bush horse, experience. Yeah. Um, now, what is it? What I'm not sure what it is. You know, it's like sometimes one of my um, biggest flaws, and it really is my only flaw. I'm actually perfect otherwise. Um, uh, is that like you know, for instance, like a fancy dress? It's like a dress up party, fancy dress, whatever. I often don't commit to it through insecurity reasons broadly, but then you get there and then you're like, if you don't commit to it, then you stand out even more. So it's like, now I'm not going to many um, dress up parties now, a lot of sort of masquerade, sort of swingers parties, that kind of gear, but, um, but uh, no, nothing. Okay. Um. <laughs> I'm very sorry. Uh, I'm very sorry. I've just, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm sorting us out from a, from a meeting sure. that was meant to be sure. on now, but we're recording. Oh, sure. This is more important. Um. Anyway. So, uh, uh, yeah, so like a bucking bull, like, I don't know, I don't, I feel, I find it a bit like center of attention-y, but at the same time, like, uh, you, you just asked me, you asked me, will I go on the bucking bull? Okay, I will. I'll go on it. That, that's what, that's what you want me to say. I do, because we want, you know, we want people to have the opportunity to see everything they could possibly see at Luna Park. And if you're heading there and you're going to be on a bucking <laughs> bull, a couple of beers in, a couple of people want to have a circle with Higos, well, you know, you can get all of that. BudgieSmuggler.com. You're part of this. You're part of the cell now. BudgieSmuggler.com. You're going to get 30% off. Use the code ALPHA. If you can't spell and you think that's ALPHA, firstly, it's not. It's (laughs) A-L-P-H-A. There's a chain of cafes in Melbourne called Alpha, A-L-F-A, like an alfalfa sprout. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So um, A-L-F-A, you're going to get 30% off those tickets. BudgieSmuggler.com. And fuck, he goes, he's going. Luna Park, he goes. Western Ranch, shit. Sons of the East. And then once you pay for that ticket, unlimited booze and food. Fucking hell. Any danger. Mm. Wish I could make it. Mm. Yeah, you'd have a look at it, wouldn't you? You would have a look. I'd have a look. Um, All right, anything else with Budgie Smuggler? We thank him always for their sponsorship and their their support over the years. That'll do. And then while you're on the website, well, why don't you just have a look at some of the accessories as well? Awesome custom swimwear. There you go, budgetsmugger.com. Champ at checkout as well. Chuck that in, see what happens. I feel like, have you spoken to many people? I feel like a lot of people have got overseas trips planned for the first time in a couple of years. Obviously, no one really has sort of traveled for, for, well, one obvious reason. Um, So I feel like people are sort of getting getting back into the mindset of even like saving up for a holiday. So I feel like, you know, whilst it's it's definitely been a wet summer in Australia, there's no no, no denying, there's no getting away from that. There's no getting away from that. 
pe- people are seeking the sun a little bit, you know, and I think a European summer could be on this year for a lot of people. So custom designs, I think it's on. Custom designs. I think it's on. There we go. There we go. Oh, All right, here he is. Absolutely here's, here's Dan Christian. <laughs> here's Dan this, Christian. This territory heat's killing me. Quite the night that I had planned. Uh, I'm currently stuck in <laughs> stuck in a lift. Stuck in a lift. The doors won't open. Out of service up there, apparently. Stuck in a lift. Not quite the night that I had planned. Marmus is on the other side. Taking a lift. Hello? 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 Not quite the night that I had planned. It's taking a lift. Just taking a seat. What else do you do when you're stuck in a lift? Hello? Anyone got any suggestions of what I can do? Throw them out there. Let's do it. Throw them out there. Let's do it. Anyone got any suggestions of what I can do? It's taking a lift. Throw them out there. Let's do it. Minus is on the other side. Hello? Oh, what do you got? Some food for me. It's taking a lift. Throw them out there. Let's do it. What do we got here? A few M&Ms. That's naughty. That'll do. That's naughty. That'll do. That's naughty. Keep me going in here. I need it. Thank you, sir. Throw them out there. Let's do it. It's taking a lift. One of the greatest friends of the show is with us to talk about his new book. I'm sure we'll catch up on everything else going on, but he's got a book out. He's done it with Gideon Haig. I'm sure it's going to be incredible. It's called The All-Rounder. It's a snapshot into his life as a T20 gun for hire. Uh, and... Christo, let me just read this. Uh, this is out of, straight from Gideon's piece. So Gideon's writing a piece, also promoting a book that he's been part of, which I think he's entitled to do, by the way, as an author of about 40,000 books. But um, it says he spent, it, it chronicles 12 months as a worldwide T20 specialist with RCB, Sixers, Karachi Kings, Knots Outlaws, and Australia. Uh, and in contrast to the glamour of those entanglements, uh, you actually saw the book off with a book launch with your mates at the UNSW Cricket Club, where it all began for you as a 14-year-old in Greenshield, 97, 98. So I suppose my first question is sort of how much of the book is about um, a couple of games you played for you in New South Wales in the last 12 months? I know you're playing against the Norths <laughs> and stuff and just a couple, we're already looking at a couple of match reports and how great cricket's going. That's a good question. I can't remember if we put that those couple of games in there. It was... Um... Yeah, it was, a, it was a pretty exciting 12 months. It just obviously I went through a fair bit and I spoke to you guys at different stages throughout the 12 months. Um, so it was it's nice to actually read it and, and go back through back through what I got up to because you tend to forget what you do over the years. So, um, yeah, I spoke to Gideon every three or four days for about an hour on Zoom. Uh, and then he just spit out what we what we spoke about in his in his written way, which was which is pretty brilliant, I think. So, um yeah, it was good fun. Christo, you're you're now you are you're pretty good to be fair. You you are very connected to your grade club. Um, but like, you know, when Christo gets picked up in the IPL, are you getting a few extra text messages from your clubby mates? 
maybe some guys in twos and threes. Hey, Christo, maybe we should go for a beer when you're in town, mate. Like, is that that kind of gear? <laughs> no, they're pretty good. They're actually pretty pretty quiet. The the uni boys. It was great to see everyone on that on Saturday night though and catch up with catch up with everybody. I ducked down to the fifth grade grand final on um, oh. on Sunday, which was disappointing oh. in the end. The boys were flying. They were only chasing one eighty odd against East and. Um, yeah, fell in a little bit of a heap late in the innings and lost, end up losing by about 20 odd. But that was disappointing after all the build up on, on Saturday night. We we're hoping it was going to be a great weekend for the club, but um, oh well, pretty good that they got there, I guess. Well, hang on, Christo. I mean, yeah, with respect, to, with respect to your like sterling career, 180 in fifth grade is a big total, like 180 is sort of 380. <laughs> Also. Yeah. So you said only chasing 180. Like they can't just sort of bomb yeah. them. Like you, you wouldn't just sort of give yourself a bit of room on the offside and just sort of go, go over the top. Yeah. And and to be fair too, it was on a it was on a pretty um, rough track. They obviously did really well just to get on because the Saturday got washed out and the because uh, the wicket was was too soft. Um, I think Eastern Suburbs. Uh, I think they scheduled their home final at Sydney Uni because it's the worst draining ground in, in Sydney, thinking they were going to get the washout and be able to get the win. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, we got pretty lucky. The club got pretty lucky just to get a fixture. So, uh, no, they, they they played pretty well. They obviously had a great year and yeah, disappointing to just miss out. Mate, um, look, obviously we're mucking around there, but I, th- I think one of the things that makes you quite popular is that uh, you do re- retain heaps of knowledge and a very accessible, like, way of thinking about cricket that people recognise in Australia, even though you've played at all of the big IPL teams and you could easily, um, you know, be inaccessible, I guess. I guess I, I want to know what what drove you to write this book and when you were bumping people like me and he goes in PGs uh, in like the late <laughs> 90s, early 2000s, could you imagine that one day, like 20 years later, you'd be writing a book about, you know, like copying it on social media in India? Yeah, no, it, um, I was pretty reluctant to do the book, to be honest. I, I try and avoid talking about myself as much as I can. But Gideon was really keen to um, Gideon was really keen to do it. He approached me and asked me if I was interested. Originally, it was just going to be an IPL diary, but given what happened at the IPL with the COVID, getting called off for COVID after a few weeks, we we thought we'd um, we'd do the first three months of the year retrospectively talk about the big bash and um, experience in the PSL when that got canned as well. And then moved it all, moved it all through to um, what ended up being a pretty crazy 12 months. The BBL got canned, uh, sorry, the IPL got canned. We got shipped off to the Maldives as you do after the IPL, a couple of weeks there, then got kicked out of there because it wasn't, we weren't going to be able to get into England. Uh, went to Bahrain for a couple of weeks then went to England, was a, played a couple of practice games, about to start for knots, then get called up for Australia. Have, can't fly straight to Barbados because that'd be too easy. Had to come home, do two weeks quarantine, then get on a plane and go back to Barbados. Um, it was all pretty, it was all pretty eventful, all while all while Georgia was pregnant. So it was a um, yeah, very, very interesting year and end up turning out, turned out to be a pretty good year to to, to chronicle, I guess. You ever articulate, Christo, like what because like, you, you've played in all the tournaments all across the world. You're moving around all the time. You're going into new bubbles. You're going to new quarantines and you play a bit. Then you're going back into a bubble. Then the new quarantine. Like, can you even articulate what that does to your brain or even the pro athlete body where like you're just sitting in the room is you get tight tendons, you get tight joints, all these things, and then you manifest in injuries later. But like, 
everyone's gone through something right in COVID. Like we're, we're all been inside, but, but the pro athlete brain, like, can you even articulate what that does to your body and your mind? Uh, body wise, I was lucky to get through it, I guess, um, without, a, without any injuries. I, I sort of joined the first sort of bubble experience or COVID experience and quarantine and stuff when I went to England in July, 2020. Mm. And I got out of it. Well, I essentially got out of it at the end of the big bash this year. So it was, um, almost 18 months of, of being in and out of bubbles and quarantines and things like that. Like you say, physically, I got through it fine. It wasn't, I don't think it was until, uh, I was able to get out of that last BBL bubble and, and relax and reflect, I guess that it probably did affect me a bit more mentally than I, than I thought it did. Um, I was in a pretty rough place at different stages, just, just from being stuck inside of a hotel room for so long and um, not having any contact really with friends and family apart from doing this, you know, FaceTime, Zoom, whatever. Um, so yeah, stages, it was, it was pretty tough, but um, you know, you're not going to knock back a chance to go to the IPL again or mm. to play Australia again. It was a pretty unique year that you just, you just sort of keep looking forward and keep, and keep just getting on with the job and doing what you need to do on the field, I guess. Mm. Mate, this is probably more of a question for Gideon and we might have him on at some point to talk about the book, but like, you know, we have so much respect for, for him and what he does with cricket and his brain. And he's, he's one of the best writers in Australia, you know, frankly, with sport aside, Did, are you able to tell us like, when he pitched the idea to you, like how, what interested him in you and your particular story. I, I note that it's called all rounder and I um, was the all rounder and that's obviously what you do on the field, but it, it would have a more figurative sense too, because you've got a lot of um, interests and skills outside of the game as well. Like, like what did he say to you that made you think, okay, this might be interesting to people. Uh, it was more that it was more that he approached me and I guess my respect and admiration for his work that, convinced me to do it I guess he um yeah like you guys I've read I've read you know a lot of his articles and um you know always been always been an admirer so when when he approached me it was it was pretty humbling really to to think that he'd want to talk to me about and, and and get my thoughts and my experiences on on what's you know what it's what it's like to to um play in and be in an IPL and be around you know guys like AB de Villiers and, and Virat and um you know, people like that uh, I didn't, I guess we just sort of went on with it and I hadn't really taken, um, taken a step back and thought about the fact that I was actually doing a book and it's, it's been a little bit surreal when, until you actually get, you know, um, when you actually get your own book, it, like, it's a bit, yeah, it's very surreal and a little and, and very humbling and a little bit embarrassing, really. I was a bit embarrassed at, on Saturday night sitting at, you know, even though I was in front of all my club mates and stuff, sitting there talking about, you know, having my own book. It's all a little bit weird. It means you're, it means you're getting old, I think. When, you know, when you finally get to a stage where you can, have, where you can do that. But, um, yeah, it is. It's as you'd expect from Gideon. It's brilliantly written. Um, you know, I certainly don't have the vocabulary that he does. And I didn't say all the things that he said in that book, but he, um, yeah, he, he articulated it brilliantly. Um, Christo, one of the best things about cricket is just the ability to lie at all times. We just love lying. It's a, it's my, fa it's actually my favorite part um, of life, <laughs> not just cricket. Um, but uh, like lying all the players, yeah. 
That's right. That's right. That's right. Um, but all the, uh, not all of it. A lot of players say like, no, I don't, I don't really watch the auctions. I don't, if I'm up for it, I don't really watch it. Like um, that has to be a lie. Uh, and also I'm pretty sure the hundred draft is tonight. Is, is that right? It's actually April 5. Is that, is that tonight or tomorrow? One of the two. It's yeah, it's soon. It's either today or tomorrow. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, and you're in that. So are you, are you pretending like you're not going to watch that or? Uh, no, I won't watch. I won't watch the, that one. Um, because it's about it's going to be about a tenth of what you might get in India so it's like you know it's not as exciting <laughs> it's like if you buy like a lotto ticket for the million dollars versus the 40 million like it's just you know, yeah you don't check it straight away you just check it in a couple of days or whatever <laughs> no there's I'm going to be over there anyway playing for not so if I get picked up in the draft great if I don't then I'm still going to be over there for the summer so yeah it'll, it's sort of win-win Mm. Well, there's one I know in the pieces promoting the book uh, a lot of it is focusing around um, that social media moment that happened uh, when you were at RCB that was uh, you know some well more than trolling like quite vicious trolling of Georgie or partner uh, and um, I, I guess like you know how was that situation for you, uh, I know you mentioned that it left a bit of a sour taste about the IPL comp um, for you as well. Uh, and how do you reflect upon it now? Yeah, it did. Um, it did leave a bit of a sour taste, even though it's you know a tenth of a percent of the people that watch you play and and that follow and that are fans of the sport and fans of your team and and whatever. It was um, yeah, it certainly did make me feel a bit like you know I'm done with this. I'm, don't want to have to put up with this sort of stuff again. I've put up with it for years. It's part and parcel of being a professional sportsman. You get you get nailed when you don't do well. Um, but then when they start going at your family, that's like, oh, come on, that's a bit too far. I don't really need. I don't need this anymore. That was that was pretty tough. Georgia handled it brilliantly. Um, even if she did only handle it brilliantly on face value, just to try and make me feel better. I'm not too sure, but. Um, yeah, it's it's pretty tough when it when it gets down to when it gets down to that stage when they, um, yeah, just just flat out abuse and disgusting abuse too. It was just horrible some of the stuff she was getting. So, you know, you don't mind getting the occasional you know, piss take, you know, a bit of critic funny sort of criticism, and occasionally you deserve criticism if you if you're not winning games for your team um, and you're not doing that well. That's fine, I can cop that. But yeah, no need to go near the families. Yeah. Um- Mate, you had such a long gap between playing for Australia. What 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 was the gap? It was like seven years. It was seven years in ODIs. Uh, four, I think, three or four years in 2020. Three, 2020, yeah. Had the, had the team had the team and the environment. I guess the players had changed a lot, but like, had the environment changed? Did you notice a difference in how guys went about it? The presentation on TV, all those sort of things, had it changed a lot? Like in the dressing room. Uh, the dressing room changed a bit. Yeah, just mainly because of the. Um, I think a lot of that had to do with me being 38 and being the most up there, the most experienced guy in the room, maybe not from an Australian perspective, but certainly from having in terms of how much cricket I'd played. Um, whereas seven years ago, I'm playing with, you know, Michael Clark and Ricky Ponning and whoever else was on maybe not that long ago, but, um, but you understand what I mean. There are a lot more guys there that have played a lot more cricket, um, 
there were also no none of the big boys were there in that on that tour. So there was no, you know, Pat Cummins and David Warner and and Maxie and Steve Smith and these guys. They weren't there either. So from that perspective, the relation uh, the dressing room dynamic was was completely different. Um, and then there was obviously the the coaching change. I played the last one under Darren Lehman, and this one was under under JL, who are you know polar opposites in their in their style. So. Um, it was still great to be there. It was awesome. It was a bloody tough tour. We got belted in the West Indies and we got belted in Bangladesh, but um, yeah, still great to pull pull back on the Australian colours and um, yeah, get on tour. It was, yeah, it was a great experience. Just following up on that as well, Christo, like it, your journey back to the Aussie side was highly publicised because you were just dominating. It's felt like you're dominating every T20 comp for a number of years, BBL over in the UK, getting IPL gigs. And it started to get funny that, uh, you know, released in the press that you would text JL and say, I'm, I'm good to go. I'm ready. Yeah. And, you know, you had that site uh, on, on the T20 world cup berth and um, you did end up, you did end up making that squad, albeit as a standby player and, and pulled out for um, I think really good family reasons, but like, having kind of actually done that, like having made it back to the Australian setup when you were 38 uh, and, and would have been written off by heaps of people, was it, was it the achievement and did you get the fulfilment that you expected to get having come back into that side or, or was it the, or did missing out on the T20 world cup and playing in those games make it feel like you didn't quite get there? Can you shed some light on that? Yeah. Yeah. Getting back there was great and it felt like it was a justification of, of all the hard work that I'd put in for the last few years and um, and justified sending all those texts to, to JL and George Bailey and <laughs> whoever else that had, would listen to me. Um, Finchie as well. I know I've been into Finchie for years trying to get a, trying to get a game. <laughs> can I, sorry to interrupt, but like, can you just, just for those, like, because people who are listening or watching, like, they don't, we don't know what that, what do those text, text text messages look like? Like, for us in our jobs, like, we don't really text our boss going like, hey, listen, promotion, I'm good to go. I've, you know, I've, I just, I hit that KPI. Like, are you just good looking at your phone now just to show yeah, us? I'll see if I can find one. Um, just search please in the in the search yeah. bar. It might just come up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, Find them. Can't find them. They're too far back. But we, um, yeah, just basically about. Would it be like, oh, 60, I hit 63 today, you know, like just look it up on, <laughs> on like, yeah, you know, cricket. cricket yeah. Like <laughs> <laughs> Links to scorecards. <laughs> yeah, no, not quite. Though, to be fair, JL and, and George in particular regularly kept in, in touch. And if I had a good game somewhere, they'd, they'd flick a text and say, well done, um, you know, keep doing your thing blah blah and then if we have a conversation on the phone then i'd then i'd say you know they'd ask how you're going and i'd tell them how i'm going so yeah i'm hitting them all right i'm doing well and i think i can do a job for you in that role that i play so if you're not going to float your own boat who's who's going to do it for you so i figured um i figured i may as well and yeah it was great to get the opportunity i obviously didn't take it as well as i would have liked that so that was disappointing um First game of the West Indies tour was probably the one that was the most that regret that I regretted the most. I had a perfect opportunity to ice the game uh, and do what I've been doing in domestic cricket for a long time. Um, 
but yeah, got to be giddy and try to smack one out of the park and, and hit it up the shoot. And we lost, end up losing by about 10 runs, I think. So yeah, that was pretty disappointing because that would have been a perfect chance for me to, you know, stake a bit of a claim and, and be able to stay there and go all right. But um, still great to be back there. Still awesome to be, to be still recognised as, as being able to perform at that level. And um, yeah, I guess once the World Cup came around, it was a, it was a case of, of being, you know, it would, would have been awesome to be there and be the, be a part of the squad and, and, you know, help out where I needed to help out and be available if someone got injured. But I guess the, at that stage, the the concern of of the two weeks quarantine, worried that Georgia might have given birth early, um, for the sake of not actually being on the field and and being in the actual team. That was that was where the decision was made pretty easily for me. In the end, I, I thought you know if I had been in the team, maybe I would have stayed. But um, being on the being a reserve for the reserves, it was like well, you know I'm probably probably a three or four injuries away from, from actually getting a game here. So um, yeah, I just, and I just didn't want to miss the birth based on that. It was like uh, to, to win competitions is like in T20 leagues is real fine margins, especially in the IPL. Like every team has just got fucking jet players. Like they're all, yeah. they're all amazing. Right. So how much of like T20 cricket, like the teams that win uh, is like chemistry and expression, like, like expressionism of, of themselves and their abilities. Cause I, I mean, you've won everything everywhere. Right. But, and I reckon most of those teams, there wouldn't be too many blokes who hate each other in, in the sheds. Yeah, correct. It's a, um, the, the culture is really important. Um, and the culture starts with having you know good blokes in your team, which is, seems pretty easy, but you've got to have good blokes. And you've got to have an environment where guys are able to express themselves, like you say, to go out and play with that complete, complete kind of freedom, um, and just and you know show their skills. If you if you're going out to bat with any kind of apprehension or, um, you know, your plans are too, um, if your plans are too in depth and this, the, the you know they're a bit too structured, then I just don't think you you tend to have as much success in those kind of teams. Mm. Um, six is a great example. You know, for us to still make that grand final with three or four blokes out with COVID and four or five blokes injured and not being allowed to use Steve Smith, it was, um, yeah, we were, it was just a yeah. just a, a brilliant reflection of how good that culture is set up by Greg Shepard and Moses and, and Jody Hawkins that, that put the squad together originally. So, um, yeah, I think you're right about that. Let's see, yeah, so as long as you, you if you've got a good culture and you you can... Mm blokes can express themselves that's that's when you start winning stuff and like you would probably say the same about um like rcb with uh like you and jamo doing that interview with us that got taken down as well i presume that's in the book uh just another another sign of a good culture looking after yeah. players and also mr nags being the only humor guy uh as well so <laughs> <laughs> to be fair that rcb team was a um <laughs> Virat, Virat, for all of his, for all of his, um, I think we said it on that podcast that day for, for, for all of his you know, bluster and whatever that comes across on the field. He's a great bloke off the field. He's a ripper and he's all about having everyone, you know, getting together and having a bit of fun. So that's why we did so, ended up doing so well. Um, you know, if he hadn't thrown me the ball, Sonny on the run in that, in that semi-final, we might have been that winning it, but that's the way it goes, I guess. But uh, no, they're actually RCB were actually pretty good. I've certainly played in some teams that were, were worse than that and ended up coming a lot worse than semi finalists. 
Okay, so you still want to play there, obviously. Uh, so, so. <laughs> <laughs> I reckon by the well, by the time the next auction comes around, I'll be I'll be thirty nine, turning forty. So I dare say I'll um that 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 ship might have sailed, but you never know. Oh, mate, Doni still plays. Doni still yeah. plays, but that's MS Doni. It's a different, it's a different level. Yeah, he won, he won half a dozen IPLs. Yeah, but how many first grade comps has he won in Sydney? Yeah. Uh, so. does, does, does MS Danny go down to fifth grade to watch five does. lose? Yeah. <laughs> go to the ranchy, the ranchy cricket club, fifth grade. Days off. Hung I over. Some good players there. Hung over, yeah. <laughs> hey, uh, anything else he goes? Are you good? No, nah, no, I'm, I'm good. Thanks, mate. Chris, thanks for joining us, Christo. Uh, for anyone listening out there, the book's called The All Rounder. It's Dan Christian written by Gideon Haig, two really smart people in cricket at what they do. And um, both have seen an opportunity to reflect upon like what must have been such a crazy year for you, Christo. And like, uh, you know, we always say on this show as well, like it's, it's great to interview people who are either just starting in the game or just finishing in the game. And I'm not making any predictions about, you know, whether you're finishing or not, mate, but uh, I'm sure you're closer to the end, as they say, like it's, it's great to get reflections on someone who, you know, he started in Greenshield in 97, 98. And then you're talking about playing, you know, with Coley at RCB. Like it's a hell of a journey. Looking forward to reading it myself. I don't know where people can get it, but I presume you can get it at heaps of good places. And, you know, people on who listen to the show know how to use the internet. Just type in the all-rounder Dan Christian book or something and you'll just yeah. see it. And you know what I mean? Yeah, perfect. I need to work on my sales spiel actually on, on where on where you can buy the book. But no, thanks for having me, boys. It's a um it was a it was a wonderful experience to um to, to go through and and to yeah to finally say I've got a book it's a, it's all a bit weird but it is a good read so yeah hopefully you enjoy it again bit of sun <laughs> we got, look we've got the main man himself Marcus Stoiners Marcus Stoiners <laughs> the main tanner look at him <laughs> the main tanner look at him <laughs> Marcus Stoiners. Look at him. Bit of sun. Marcus Stoiners. Marcus Stoiners. Ha ha. Ha ha. Ha ha. Bit of sun. Bit of sun. Ha ha. The main tanner. The main tanner. The main tanner. Look at him. Ha ha. Ha ha. Ha ha. Ha ha. Marcus Stoiners, the main tanner. Look at him. <laughs> Marcus Stoiners, the main tanner. All right, thank you very much to Christo. Uh, hashtag RCDC coming up. But, before, but first, Pez, we've got to talk about Manscaped. Use the code TGC for 20% off. 20%. Now, Pez, this morning... I was thinking about the show and I was thinking, what can I bring to this show? And specifically, when I think about it, I think about Manscaped. What are we going to talk about this week? Now, Pez, you know, in the past, we've been very privileged. It's, a, it's actually a privilege, not just like, not just fortunate. It's actually pure privilege to be given 
um, you know, um, you know, free stuff from Manscaped. Let's just call it out. They send you free stuff. Let's call it out. If you're going to talk about yep. it, they, they send you free stuff, okay? Yeah. And it's really good. Yes. It's actually, of the free stuff we've ever been given, which in my opinion is not enough, this is actually by far and away, as in the Manscaped package, like, like what they give you as the free, it's the fucking best gear I've ever received. And I, I sincerely mean that. In terms of, you know, you know when you get sent free stuff, mate, a lot of it's just fucking shit, okay? Let's... <laughs> I don't know why we don't get sent more stuff, <laughs> but mate, or get mate, more sponsorships. Man- yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the Manscaped gear is something that I genuinely use, and I genuinely would buy it if I wasn't sent free stuff. <laughs> so, <laughs> but mate, I'd be all over. I'd be all over twenty percent off, mate. Twenty percent off as a as a code. Twenty percent off. That's fucking good. That is good. Um. Anyway, this, you know, the point of this is this morning I was like. I've never used the ball deodorant before. I've never used it before. And I'll have a look at it. And you know what? I looked at it. And it's a it's a pleasant experience. It is a pleasant experience. Have you used it yet? Uh, I can't remember. I think I really went through the whole carousel of products when we first got them, like yeah. maybe last year or so. You know, it was a mm-hmm. real, a real, you know, suck it and see uh, t- type scenario. <laughs> like uh, get into every single one. Make just test it out, but I don't think I've yeah. stuck with the ball wipes or ball deodorant. I just, I don't know, man. Like it's nothing. I it's the nothing. Ball wipes yet. It's nothing against it. I just, it's just not part of the routine. Like I have a good routine. No. I'm proud of it. I'm happy. Yeah, I just, yeah, yeah. I, I don't like get into the drawer and go. Oh, it's it's ball deodorant time now. I mean, like I've usually just had a shower. Yeah, I'm I'm aware of where I am at the moment. Yeah, like. <laughs> Perhaps I should think about it. I suppose the same logic applies. If you I apply deodorant to my armpits uh, post shower, then why wouldn't I apply deodorant to my testicles afterwards? And that's what they've got us saying here. Um, you know, and they've also got Manscaped Premium deodorant. Um, the premium deodorant's not for your balls; it's for your for your stanky armpits. This deodorant mm. dries clear, is aluminium free, and smells like their signature scent. Um, yeah, so the ball deodorant that I used this morning, it smells a treat, mate. My shit smells good. Mate, if mate, if you if you Your were balls. here, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, if you were if here, here, you'd be you'd be you'd be soaking it up. Let me tell you. Oh, mate, I, I will say I will say this, uh, which is clear because I'm about to say it. But like, um, <laughs> y- you're you don't have any smell issues. Like, uh, as in you don't you're right. you've got you've got good non-intrusive smells. Uh, like. I'm I'm pleased to say I I I also received the same feedback. You know, in my yeah, life, like no, I've got no, other. Yep. No, no thanks. Cheers. But I do know people that that do have these issues, and yeah, they yeah. could really benefit from the Manscaped collection. And if you do suffer Dude. from the from smell issues, then let us endorse Manscaped to you earnestly, sincerely, uh, and in good yeah. faith. And by good faith, I mean like we don't get a commission from it, but if you use the code uh, TGC then they're going to realise that this is working and we're going to sort of keep getting our little clip, you know. I'm not saying we're clipping dude, the ticket. Dude, I was, I was, um, <laughs> oh, man, I thought you were saying you were clipping the ticket. Mate, I was at, I was at the gym the other day and the dude, yeah. Um, yeah. chest and triceps, um, and, yeah. the, and the dude next to me fucking stank. It was so off-putting. It was just, yeah. it wasn't heinous because that's, 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 come on, that's aggressive, come on. But it yeah. was, it was, it was pretty how you going. Yeah, yep. Uh, yeah, well, right. hopefully that person listens. 20% off free uh, shipping, code TGC at manscaped.com. Cheers. 
Hashtag AskTGC. Alistair Woolgar wrote in Pez. And he said the following. Dear Ian and Sam, last night I watched an episode of Naked Attraction and I have a serious question I want to put to you both. For those that don't know, Naked Attraction is a show where a fully clothed person is faced with six naked people who are initially hidden in booths. Their bodies and faces are gradually revealed through successive rounds from the feet up. At each round... The chooser eliminates one naked person until only two are left, when the chooser also takes off their clothes to make the final choice. The chooser then decides which person they wish to go out with, and the two, or occasionally three, then go for a fully clothed date. During this particular episode, we had a female contestant decide from six would-be naked boys. I decided to write some notes. Okay. Okay, Wooly. Uh, green, small piece, decent pipes and chest, small mitts, good salad. Orange, massive piece, no chest, okay mitts, no salad. Sam Perry special, unnecessary. Red, oh. average piece, big thick chest, half a mitt. He only had one hand and one hook. Good <laughs> salad. Half a mitt. Purple. Small piece, average chest and pipes, huge mitts, good salad. Blue, average piece, good chest, okay mitts, okay mitts, sensational salad and a cock piercing. Yellow, Mm. good piece, good chest, good mitts, average salad, but clearly manscaped. He also had a high-pitched childlike voice. So my question is, who is the alpha in this situation and in what order? Cheers as always, Wooly. What do you want there? What are you looking for? Uh, well, the, I mean, the woman's the alpha, obviously it's a trick question, but, right. uh, if, if we eliminate that, uh, look, I've always said, mate, that like the mitts are the key to the rig. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Show me a man with big mitts that isn't, isn't doing well in other areas and, well, well, he's saying purple, I'll show you a, I'll show you a liar or a disfigured person, because because a, a mit a, a channels a mit begats all else as we've said from the Bible a mit begats yeah. the rest of it a mit mm. is a piece a mit is it gives you access to a chest yeah because of grip yep. strength grip strength yep okay a mit mightn't give you a salad necessarily. But if a mitt can give you all else, then your salad's going to be okay. A mitt doesn't give you height. We're not talking about height here. But a mitt is a piece, and a mitt gives you access to a chest and pipes. Whereas yeah. you can you can create the rest, believe me, you know, various times. But, like, you can create a chest and a pipe. But if you do that with small mitts, the maintenance of that's going to be quite hard. Like, you're always going to be working. Whereas a, I just feel like a big mitt... Is really mm. just it's that's the, that's saying to the re- like that's saying to the rest of your body and to everybody else like oh, I belong amongst or among you know a good rigs like just a, a big thick mitt just gives you access to everything is what I'm saying yeah yeah it it really is it's and uh, buckets it's and then you got bit. and you got buckets you got big old buckets you know you, you got, got big, big old buckets, buckets. you're in, big old buckets you're in the grippers you, you you're all, you're immediately trusted because you got big mitts people people. People can yeah. feel a big mid even if you can't see it. So it's oh, a mid yeah, for man. me. 
and you can dominate a handshake as is your want. Fuck, like exactly. You know, like and you, you when you start when you start encroaching on the wrist of the other person like a bit, a bit of low forearm that's how big yeah. the mid is when you start when you start tickling a bit of bit of I was yeah, going to say femur that's that's a different <laughs> thing you yeah. start tickling femurs yes but when you when your when your fingers just start just start encroaching towards the other person's elbow then that's a fucking mm. then you got a mid on you now yeah. Wooly there is described uh, the yellow character good piece yeah. good chest good mitts average salad oh. then he says he uses the suffix but but clearly manscaped. I oh. don't understand what I, I don't understand the the negative connotation to that. But like he said, average salad, but clearly manscaped. Oh, I think so he's, he's it, saying like so the salad isn't any good, but he has possibly mitigated its averageness with manscaping. So like it's still right. he's kept that neat. But then the the kicker is that he has a high pitched childlike voice. Yeah, yeah. Now, mate, this this actually triggers a. Th- I might have said this. Before, uh, before on a different show in the past that that like I, I've heard numerous people in the past um, say that like like women I'm talking about who were talking who say like David Beckham wasn't attractive because of his voice like fucking come on I mean Jesus Christ you got okay if you got one you got one shot you got one shot with DB 23 or whatever <laughs> and you like never heard him call that the, the, <laughs> <laughs> I was on Lad Bubble before and they turned off of him playing for Real Madrid and he just wore the shirt 23 and just in my head. Um, for me, he'll always be Beckham 7. Anyway, um, but but uh, like, come, you got one shot with David Beckham. It's like, no, not for me. The voice no good. Shut the fuck up. Come on. Come on. What? You're turning down David Beckham because of the voice? Now, I can... Now, maybe this guy isn't David Beckham, you know, but he's, he's, got all the other, he's got all the other attributes needed to be the alpha in that room, to be the first name of the team sheet, to be the first pick for said lady in this show, Naked Attraction. Good piece, good mm. chest, good mitts. Manscapes. Sticking a lot of boxes there, mate. Sticking a lot of boxes. Just keep uh, talking for a sec. I've got, I got a thing I want to do with the voice. Just keep talking. Okay, so for those playing at home, Pez has just left the room to uh, get a device, get a contraption. We're talking about voice gear now, and I have like, my, and let me know, let us know, let us know in the comments on YouTube, or maybe write into us, drop an email, let us know how important the voice is uh, in my, your life. Is that one of the main attractions for you? Well, of course, like Margaret Thatcher when she became prime minister, she did vocal mm-hmm. coaching lessons to deepen her right. voice because it bestows more authority. Like this is something sure. that women could speak to, and. My wife um, bought a, a toy for my children the other day. It's like a um, voice modulator microphone, but like it sounds really serious. But it's like if you're looking on YouTube here, like it's like it's like three bucks. It's like a karaoke thing, and you can you can you can really get uh, a lot of fun happening with this. You know, like, holy shit! It's a squid game. It's a squid game now. Yeah, it's awesome. And it really, it really. Um, adds a, a new dimension to hide and seek with your children because like they go yeah, and hide yeah. and instead yeah. of saying ready or not here I come it's like I'm just saying like voice voice matters voice matters I got to tell you, like, if if you discover that on a night out, let's say it's let's say it's a Mad Monday, Pez. Let's let's let's, yeah. let's wrap up the season with this with this thought. Yeah. If you find that on the street on a Mad Monday circuit, that's what that. I mean, you're using it very lovingly for you know to mm. add an element with your children to play hide and seek, well, you know, lovingly, or just yeah. something for your Violently. own ears. 
Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You got to add your own like little. It. You got you got to add your own little edges playing with kids to. Uh, to you got to bring something levels up. You got to bring something. Uh, you know, but if I'm if I'm if I'm down the pub and I've got one of those and that's that's made done for the next three hours, just talking shit exactly. in that kind of scary Squid Game owner voice. No, that's, yeah. I used that's to do made. that with a harmonica as well. Anyway, take a harmonica on a night out. Can't go wrong. You can play a couple of tunes. <laughs> Piano man intro. <laughs> yeah, oh, I'm so charming. Fucking yeah. Anyway, had heaps of heaps of success. <laughs> Different form of peacocking. All right. Uh, thank you to Dan Christian. Thank you much to Barney Ronay. Thank you to everyone out there watching and listening over the last few weeks. We'll be back in a, in a few weeks. We're just taking a break uh, whilst we, um, well, it's really the only IPL that's going on. So you can find the audio for that. Of course, you know where to find that. It's on YouTube, but the audio is on patreon.com forward slash great cricketer. Hashtag RCDC Fridays every single Friday as well. 45 minutes into your ears talking absolute shit. Uh, just trying to make you laugh. Just trying to get you through your otherwise bleak Friday afternoon as we head into the winter months. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks as ever for, for listening and supporting and watching our shit. Um, we'll see you guys in a few weeks for the uh, for the the, nor the northern summer. Anything can happen there. See you guys soon.